You know, often today, fathers are portrayed, you know, in the media, in entertainment, they're portrayed a certain way, kind of fun, but a little bit on the dumb side, I think, sometimes. And that's not the way that Scripture presents fathers. You know, Scripture presents, the Bible wants us to think of our fathers you know, as the leader of the home, someone who's going to pass their legacy of wisdom down to their children and to other children, you know, to the next generation. Uh, that's what our men should, how they should be seen, the role that they have, uh, even those who are not fathers, who can be a father figure for someone in the younger generation in their life to pass down our wisdom to the next generation. And that's the theme I want to look at this morning in Proverbs. You know, they're preparing for a Father's Day message. There's many different places you can go for a Father's Day message. I mean, certainly, we first of all think of how God is our Father, and God is the ultimate example of a Father for us. One that, uh, as men, we should try to imitate in our family life. But uh, the last few weeks, we've been studying 2 Samuel, and we've been looking at David as a father. And when we think of David as a father, we sometimes do not think of him as the best example of a father. He certainly made some mistakes, more than mistakes, he sinned, we know that, and reaped the consequences of that sin in his family life. At least three of his sons turned out bad, two of which we've already seen cost them their life. The other one is going to cost him his life. It's Absalom's younger brother. And we'll see that when we get back uh, in the end of July in our evening services. But this morning, I want to look at how David was a good father. And all of us, you know, who have fathers. No father is perfect. All of us have fathers, right? Um, and some of us are fathers. And or we've had fathers, but we should all appreciate the way that our fathers did what was right. You know, some more than others, but no father is perfect. David is an example of a man who is not perfect, but he's called a man after God's own heart. And there's good reasons for that. He was a man who loved the Lord. And as we looked at last week in Psalm chapter 3, when David was in a very difficult situation in his life with his son Absalom, trying to replace him as the king, seeking to assassinate David, when David's fleeing for his life, he took that troublesome situation and with his, with his life in danger, his throne really out of his hands at that point and in the hands of his son, we saw him take that to the Lord in prayer and trusting God to work things out on his behalf, knowing that his son was in the wrong. And we saw uh, in our evening service how that, that played out in our study of 2 Samuel. This morning I want to focus on Proverbs 4. Solomon quotes his father. And we mentioned last week how I believe that the difficult, the conflict with Absalom was a very big turning point in David's life. That he went from a place of allowing his sons to grow up in a certain way that was not good. We saw that with Ammon, we saw it with Absalom, we'll see it with Adonijah later, to a place where he takes his wisdom, his time, and invests it in his son. We know this because of what Proverbs 4 tells us. 
where Solomon quotes his father. Where did Solomon get the idea when God comes to Solomon as a young king, when he first becomes king, and God offers him anything he desires? Solomon is offered the opportunity to ask of God anything he desires. One wish. And what does Solomon ask for? Wisdom to rule God's people. He asked for wisdom. Where did he get the idea to ask for wisdom? From his father, David. So today on Father's Day, I want to look at three admonitions that we find in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. We find three admonitions of a good father that should encourage fathers today to pass down a legacy of wisdom to their children as David did. And for us as we appreciate our fathers and those in our lives who are fathers, that we would appreciate the ways in which they do pass down a legacy of wisdom to their children or to the next generation. And for those who can be father figures who are not fathers themselves, the way in which they pass down a legacy of wisdom to the next generation. So my sermon this morning is titled, A Legacy of Wisdom, a Father's Day message from Proverbs 4. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each one here this morning again. And we thank you especially for our fathers. I thank you, you for a, a day in the year, just as we had a day for mothers, to appreciate and remember all that mothers do for us. And all the many sacrifices they make in serving and, and being godly mothers, those who, are, who know you. And we thank you for our fathers who know you and uh, the fathers that we have worked in our lives in the past. Fathers who are active here today as they raise their children and fathers who have raised children, those who are now grandfathers and playing a role as in, that, in that way, or those who just can in some way encourage fathers that they know or be a father figure in the lives of, of children they know even though they're not personally a father. We thank you for how your scripture shows us this morning these ways in which fathers can pass down a legacy of wisdom to their children. Just bless this message from your word, we pray now this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The first admonition of a good father, in this case David, uh, passing down to his son, Solomon, in Proverbs chapter 4, is his first admonition is get wisdom and understanding. So, Fathers should encourage their children to get wisdom and understanding. Let's look at verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 4. Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son. And this is Solomon writing here. For I was my father's son. Who is his father? David. Tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Of course, Bathsheba is his mother. Verse 4. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. So this is David speaking. What did David tell Solomon? Let thine heart retain my words, he told Solomon. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, says David to Solomon. Get wisdom and get understanding. Forget it not neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, says David to Solomon. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. 
Wisdom, says David to Solomon. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor, and when thou dost embrace her, she shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in the right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. So here, and I, I haven't always looked at this passage in this light. A lot of times I, I read the Proverbs and I just assume this, the words inspired by the Holy Spirit coming from Solomon. But if you remember in verse 3, he says, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me. And so that quote begins, Let thine heart. And how far does the quote go? How far does it go? Uh, most commentators, many commentators, believe this entire chapter is a quotation of David being repeated by his son Solomon. Matthew Henry thinks that David's quotation ends in after verse 13 and that the rest of it is Solomon's words. So I'm not sure exactly what about what part of this is David's quote, what part is Solomon's own words, but either way, Solomon had wisdom. The, the, the priority, the importance of wisdom taught to him by his father, David. And then he, in turn, passes it down through writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the scriptures, the book of Proverbs, many of the Proverbs, and he emphasizes, sons, listen to your fathers. Fathers have wisdom to impart to their sons. And we could, by implication, not just fathers, but men in general, to younger men and have wisdom to pass down. And, and not just, of course, to men, but fathers to daughters as well. Um, have wisdom to pass down to their children. Wisdom is that first admonition that David gives to Solomon, his son. If you turn with me just briefly, we look at 1 Chronicles 28.9. 1 Chronicles 28.9, which records how David passed down his legacy of wisdom to his son, Solomon. 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9 says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart, with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understanding all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary, to be strong and do it. So David is, of course, specifically telling Solomon he's going to build the temple. David had planned, as we saw months back before we took a break from first, uh, Second Samuel to go into our series in Mark that culminated in Easter and finished up a little bit after Easter. We looked at how David had that desire to build a house for the Lord. And that desire pleased God. 
that David looked around him, noticed how much God had blessed him, and said, what can I do for God? God has done so much for me. What can I do for God? And he wanted to build a temple. That would end up being fulfilled by his son Solomon, not he himself. God was pleased that David wanted to build a temple, but he said, no, that's not for you to do. It's for your son Solomon. Uh, your son will... And David prepared for that. And David emphasized to Solomon that to get wisdom, of course, wisdom starts. Wisdom and understanding begins with the fear of the Lord. Solomon himself records that for us in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And that comes, of course, he was taught that by his father, David, as we saw in 1 Chronicles 28, 9. Wisdom is very important. Wisdom is very important. Of course, wisdom is knowing not just the facts, not just knowing the facts, that's knowledge, okay? And of course, God is the beginning of all true knowledge, all truth, r real truth, okay? You know, God, it belongs to God, and uh, anything that denies God is not true, okay? But wisdom is more than just knowing the facts or knowing the truth. Wisdom is using, it's applying the, the truth of God, applying the facts to our lives, knowing how to take the facts and make choices, make decisions, how to apply the truth of God's word to our lives. And that's wisdom. And that's what Solomon asked for from the Lord. Wisdom to rule his people. Wisdom is important because wisdom first of all, preserves us. Look at the first four verses again, uh, first six verses actually, of this proverb. Wisdom preserves us. Hear ye children, the instruction of a father, attend to the no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, good teaching. Forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain the words, keep my commandments and live. Keep my commandments and live. So the implication is if he doesn't keep his commandments, he might not live. There are certain facts that we need to pass down, of course, to our children that they know so that they can survive. How do you live? You need to learn certain things. Um, yesterday, when I was at work, I heard some, an interesting conversation going on between my co-workers, and they were talking about how so many of their friends nowadays just live with their parents and continue to live, and they said they're not learning anything. They're just relying on their parents to pay all their bills for them, and they're not getting out on their own and learning, so they're not having that wisdom of how to survive on their own. What if their parents weren't there to provide everything for them? And of course, if we follow our commandments and, our, and parents, one of the things they do is raise children so that at some point in their life, they've become self-sufficient. And in the past, what the model was, was parents raise their children, take care of their children. And then in their old age, you know, the children help take care of their parents. For I was my father's son, says Solomon, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He said, keep, in verse 4, keep my commandments and live. And remember, there's a, it's said that the commandment from the Ten Commandments, the one commandment that has a promise attached to it, is honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth. Keep my commandments and live. There's a promise attached to honoring our parents, keeping their commandments, obeying them, respecting them, and that's 
life. And of course, we can get very basic, you know. Uh, we can say, I can say to my kids, you know, hold my hand in the parking lot, because if they don't hold my hand in the parking lot, they might go get hit by a car. They, they keep my commandment and live. And it starts on a very basic level and then proceeds, you know, to when you get, as you grow older and you learn to support yourself, live, provide a living for yourself. Verse 5 says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. So wisdom preserves us. It teaches us how, not just, of course, to survive, as we saw the importance of last week, but to thrive with our life. How are we going to take what we are blessed with, the truth of God's word that we're blessed with and that we're blessed with by our parents and how our parents raise us, the instruction they give us, and use it for ourselves and our own lives. You know, for my family, I, I grew up in a, a Christian family. And so I feel very responsible that not everyone gets that type of raising. My, my, my wife didn't get that type of father relationship uh, growing up. Uh, that I did, and I think you know those who who have it were very blessed, and were responsible, of course, to tr do what we can to pass that on to the next generation. And my father, he would get us up. He taught us to start in the morning, reading our Bibles and praying before breakfast. He'd get us up very early, and we had to go out and we had to do chores. We had to feed the the uh, the animals um, when we when we started living on a farm in Minnesota, small farm. It wasn't a commercial farm, but uh, hobby farm, and go out there and feed the animals, milk the goats, and uh, get, collect the chicken eggs without getting attacked by the rooster and all these different things that we grew up doing. And I'll get to see some of that on a smaller scale next few weeks as I go back to Minnesota and go back to that same farm and show, uh, of course, my, my kids love it. Uh, love all the animals outdoors and uh, we'll get to go fishing, all of those things we're looking forward to. And that's as I was being raised in, in that environment, there was wisdom that my father was passing on to me to preserve the, me to how do you live? You know, what's most important? It starts with, of course, God, as David did with Solomon. That relationship with God is most important. And at an early age, through my parents reading me the Bible and Bible stories and explaining it to me, bringing me to Sunday school every week, bringing me to Awana clubs, on the way to Awana Club one, one uh, morning, actually, because it was a morning Awana Club. Uh, it was only for pre-K, so uh, the rest of the clubbers, they met in the evening, but we met in the morning. And I was reciting my verses or something, getting quizzed by my mother, and I asked her some questions about salvation. And I ended up praying for the first time to accept Christ as my Savior, confessing that faith. And of course, I came to understand it to a much greater extent later. But it started with my parents. That's the first and fundamental part of wisdom to pass down is a knowledge of the Lord, of God. And wisdom preserves us. And of course, that's the most important part of wisdom to preserve us is that after we die, after we pass from this world to the next, are we passing that wisdom on to the next generation, to our children and to those we have an influence over to give them the gospel, salvation and Jesus Christ, that that, first of all, preserves us for eternity. Wisdom preserves us. And then uh, wisdom is the principal thing. Look at verse 7a, the principal thing. So mo what is most important is wisdom. And this 
is probably actually, again, a quote that David said to his son Solomon, and Solomon never forgot. Verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. So that now that you know wisdom is most important, get wisdom. Know how to use the truth, that what you know to make wise choices, uh, to use wisdom and apply it to your lives. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Get understanding. You know, for Solomon, one of the examples that were given uh, from his life is one, at one point, two women came to him claiming that this baby was their son and, that the, and there was a dead baby that they both claimed was the other one's son. And Solomon said, okay, divide the baby in half. And he understood the real mother won't be satisfied with that at all. She'll want her son to survive even if it's with the other woman. And so one says, okay, divide it in half. Another one says, no, 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 don't. Don't cut the child in half. Let her have. And he said, okay, that's the real mother. He understood. He had understanding. He had gotten wisdom. Of course, he got special wisdom given to him from the Lord because he had asked, when God asked him what he would desire, he asked for wisdom. And we're told, you know, that we can ask God for wisdom and he gives wisdom. Let us ask for wisdom, nothing wavering. Um, and God will answer that prayer. Not only does wisdom preserve us, and wisdom is a principal thing, but we need to do all we can to get wisdom. Verse 8 says, uh, verse 7 and 8, And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her. With all thy getting, get wisdom. That we make wisdom a priority to study, to ask advice, to get counsel. Uh, Proverbs, another passage of Proverbs says, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. You know, to get wisdom. What is the best course of action? What, how do we apply God's word to our lives, to how we uh, live in our, and lead our families and, and serve the Lord in our church and in the world? How do we interact with our people at work, or our coworkers at work, and how do we share the gospel? Get wisdom, get understanding. Very important, it's so important. Do all you can to get wisdom and understanding. And wisdom builds us up. Look at verses 8 and 9. Wisdom builds us up and it provides success and honor when we get wisdom. Verse 8 says, exalt her, personifying wisdom. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. When you embrace wisdom, when you make it a priority to have wisdom. Verse 9, she shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. And uh, one of the you know, aspects, that when you see someone who's older, we, they're generally somebody who's wiser. And so generally gray hair, white hair, we associate that with wisdom. Uh, you must have much wisdom uh, because with experience of life, you have a lot of um, circumstances that you've had to face in your life and you've learned sometimes by making the right choices some maybe the other way but older people generally have wisdom and it's a good idea to go to them for advice solomon's own son learned this the hard way he had a situation where the people at when solomon his father had passed after 40 years of reigning same number of years that david had reigned for solomon 
passed his throne down to his son Rehoboam. Unfortunately, Rehoboam did not inherit all of his father's wisdom. And he asked his father's counselors, the old counselors that had been alive during his father's reign, what should I do when his people came to him and asked him, will you please lower the taxes? They're too high, lower, their, lower our taxes. And the older advisor said, yes, you should do that. You should lower their taxes. The, their loyalty will increase to you. They'll appreciate you lowering their taxes. You should, you should respond. It's not unreasonable. Solomon had to raise taxes to build the temple and to build his palace and so many projects that he was financing. You should decrease taxes now. And Rehoboam then turned. And he wasn't satisfied completely, apparently, with that advice he got from the older advisors. And he went to his younger advisors. And Solomon's son asked his peers, who were his age, and he said, what do you think? Should I lower the taxes? And he says, no. Then they think you're soft, that they can get you to do whatever they want. You need to show them who's boss. You need to tell them, we're going to raise the taxes. We're not going to lower the taxes. We're going to raise the taxes. You thought it was bad under my father. You just wait till you see what it's like under me. I'm tough. You're going to have to submit to me. Didn't work so well for him. Uh, the kingdom split the same way it split with Absalom, the 10 tribes of the northern Israel. We'll see that when we get back uh, to our study in 2 Samuel and, and Sunday nights, that, uh, how that happens right after Absalom. Ten tribes say, we're going to go another direction, and then they get brought back into the fold and remain there for the rest of David's reign, as well as Solomon. But under Solomon's son, those ten tribes split permanently, and then Israel is divided into a north and south situation where just the kingdom of Judah and Simeon and, and the Levites that live within that land remain part of David's kingdom, David's uh, uh, line of kings through Solomon's son and his sons after them. But that was because of a lack of wisdom. Wisdom glorifies, it provides success, it provides honor. It certainly did for David, it certainly did for Solomon. Um, when Rehoboam demonstrated that Solomon's son demonstrated a lack of wisdom, he reaped the consequences for that. A good father needs to teach his children wisdom. We look, see that in verses 10 through 11. Hear, O my son, verse 10, hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the ways of wisdom. I have led thee in a right path. Fathers need to leave a legacy of wisdom. They need to train their children, teach their children. You know, several times throughout my life, my dad would take me aside and he'd give me advice about life in general, would, would have talks with me, would take me hunting, would take me fishing, would take me in, uh, to conferences that he would go to in the car, long car rides, and gave me a lot of good advice over the years. And uh, fathers, good fathers provide that legacy of wisdom. And it starts with, of course, putting God first. Because if we don't acknowledge God first, then we tend to rebel to everything else and look to ourselves for all the answers. And then we're not interested in our parents' wisdom as much. And sometimes that happens anyway. I know even in my own family, I had at least one brother who kind of went off his own, was kind of the black sheep for a little while, and then he came back. Uh, but uh, th that happens. David had that happen to him. He wasn't perfect father. I think he did a better job with, his, with Solomon. But let's, let's suppose that David treated all his sons the same. That means that some of them turned out bad, one turned out good, but I believe that God does provide. When we submit ourselves and are right with God, as David had to get back to after Absalom's rebellion against him, get back to God, 
be right with God, then God can bless and allow us to pass that wisdom down. When we're not right, when David's messing around with Bathsheba before that, okay, his sons started picking up on that and their behavior went uh, very bad. Um, and we saw that in our study of 2 Samuel. But David got it right, went back to the Lord and raised from that point forward. That's all we can ever do is no matter what's happened in the past, who can we have a good influence on now? Absalom died, but David didn't. He despaired for Absalom. He was grieved for Absalom. But then he took his wisdom and he passed it down to Solomon. God still had work for him to do as a father. And David did. He did that. The second admonition that we're given, as I said, again, um, many think that David's word, not many, just Matthew Henry thinks that David's words end with Saul, uh, verse 13. Many believe this entire chapter is a quotation. When, when Solomon starts to quote, he's quoting David. The second admonition David gives to, to Solomon, or Solomon is at least passing down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in this passage, is avoid the path of the wicked. Avoid the path of the wicked. Verse 12. When thou goest, if you have wisdom, when thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. When thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. And certainly not only do fathers have a role, have a responsibility to pass their wisdom down, but children have a responsibility to listen to that. Children can choose, as we mentioned. Absalom chose to reject his father. He rebelled against his father. And sometimes children choose that path. They become that black sheep, or at least for a time. And that's not good. And if we do that, then we can stumble says verse 12. We can stumble. Our path can be straightened means our choices start to narrow. Okay, some, some, some people have their choices begin to narrow. They can't uh, do as much with their life as they could have done because of the choices that they do make and rejection of their parents' wisdom. So children have a responsibility to respond to their parents' wisdom. And parents, their sec the second admonition that is given, passing down wisdom to their children is Tell the children to avoid the path of the wicked. Look at verse 14. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not into the way of evil men. So David's first admonition to Solomon, his son, the first admonition in Proverbs 4 was get wisdom. And he talked about the importance of wisdom. And then the second admonition is avoid the path of the wicked. Avoid it. Pass, it, uh, pass away. Turn from it. Pass away. Go the other direction. You see where your friends are heading the wrong path. Avoid that. Verse 16. For they shall sleep not. For they sleep not except they have done mischief and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat their bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. In other words, there are some people. There are some people who get pleasure or even profit in causing others to fall. Some people make a living uh, causing others to fall by selling drugs and stuff. And those people, we got to avoid those people. Uh, got to avoid those who are trying to cause other people harm, whether they're intentionally causing the harm or whether they're just doing it for their own good and they're taking advantage of other people and they're causing them harm. Uh, this actually begins with Eve in the Garden of Eden. Eve took a bite of the apple, and what did she do? She handed it off to Adam. And, and 
David is warning his son Solomon, and Solomon is passing that warning down to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We need fathers teach their children to avoid the path of the wicked. Avoid it. Um, evil influences can cause harm. That's what evil speaks of, causing harm. It can cause harm spiritually, mentally, and physically. Uh, there's lots of inf evil influences in our world today on the internet, uh, movies, music, games, uh, drugs, social media, all kinds of evil influences. There's good paths and there's bad. And David presents a contrast to his son Solomon, or Solomon is passing that down. There's a contrast between the good path and the bad path. You know, there's good uses for social media. There's good uses. And there's bad. And look at the contrast. Verse 18. But the path of the just is the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. So one path is in light where we understand what's right and what's wrong. And the dark path, on the other hand, they don't even know why things are going wrong for them. They're, they're, they're lost. And it starts with, of course, a knowledge of God. And that's usually the, the big difference between the path of darkness, the path of light, is those who understand that they have accountability, we have accountability to God and that we were one time lost, we were one time blind, but now we see, now we're found. We understand we were sinners. We were naturally doing the things that we desired to do that were wrong. Christ died for our sins on the cross to take the punishment because God is just. Because God is just to take that and redeem us, to purchase us, and to give us an example through Jesus Christ and His life, His teachings, and the Word of God of how we ought to live in you know, such a way that pleases God. Whereas those in the darkness, they, oftentimes they deny God or they have a false view of God. A view of God that says, you know, God tolerates everything. God, well, I'm not as bad as the next person. God will let me in or I can do enough good things uh, to make up for my bad. That's okay. I can do a few bad things. That's all right. I'll enjoy that. But that's the pleasures of sin for a season. And those in the, the path of the light will understand that. That God wants us to do what is right, what is good, not what causes ourselves harm or other people harm, not what would be in a direct contradiction to the Word of God, to what He commands. The way of justice is as a shining light. The way of wickedness is as darkness. So keeping a father's instruction to avoid the path of darkness and walk in the path of light is a key to children finding success. Look at verse, nine, uh, verse 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them from the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those who find them and health to all their flesh. You know, and it's proven a lot of... Uh, there, there's unhealthy choices and there's healthy choices. There's right choices and there's wrong choices in life. And the father, his passing down a legacy of wisdom helps to lead, helps to instruct his children on which is the right path and leaves that legacy for his children. 
Verse, uh, the, verse, the next verse, verse 23, we find the beginning of our third admonition of a good father that David passes down to Solomon and pa Solomon's passing to us in Proverbs 4. The third admonition is guard our heart. Because ultimately, it starts whether we're seeking wisdom or wh whether we're following the right path, the path of light, and that the path of, path of darkness, it goes back to our heart. Is our heart right with God? Is our heart seeking what to do what is right? We have to guard our heart. We have to guard our heart. Verse 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We saw this illustrated a couple weeks back when I mentioned this. When Absalom, in, in first, 2 Samuel 14, when Absalom was in exile, his heart began to harden toward his father. And when he, he's brought back, his father wouldn't even speak to him. And they allowed bitterness to get into their heart where they resented one another. And eventually that led, of course, to Absalom seeking to overthrow his father, David, and David having great regrets as Absalom would, it would end up costing his, his life in that rebellion. Keeping our heart is most important. It's important to guard our hearts. We have to, guarding our hearts means we have to start with what we are thinking, the way we are thinking. Because the way we're thinking, that speaks of our heart, our, uh, the central part of us, what we allow ourselves to think about. And that's influenced, as we'll see in the following verses, by what we say, by what we hear, by what we see. And what we say really is the fruit of what we're thinking. If we're thinking uh, complaints in our mind, then we're going to start to speak them. We're going to be tempted to speak them, especially if we hear other people saying something that we agree, oh yeah, yeah. Or maybe we, we get into arguments and someone complains about us and we complain back. Um, we have to guard our thoughts. Starts in our hearts. Luke 6.43 speaks of that, of like fruit. Uh, six, uh, Luke 6, chapter, verse 43, says, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of a thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And verse 24 in Proverbs 4 says, Put away from thee a forward mouth, and a perverse lips put far from thee. It's important as we guard our heart to guard what comes out of our mouth because that speaks of what's in our heart. And we can, it starts with focusing on what, is, what are we thinking about? What are we thinking about? What are we saying? Because that's a good indication of what we're thinking about. Where's our heart at? What comes out of our mouth is a good indication of that. And then verse 25, a great influence on our hearts is what we see. Sometimes the eyes are referred to as the window of the soul. Verse 25 says, Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. 
ponder the path of thy feet. Let all thy ways be established. You know, when we're walking around, when we're going somewhere, we tend to look where we're going. If we're looking all over the place, or even when we're driving, when I'm driving especially, and my wife will say, what are you, what are you looking at? St look at the road in front of you. I don't want you driving off the road, okay? Uh, she keeps me accountable. Make sure I'm not... Uh, hey, look at that over there. That's in, isn't that pretty over there? No, keep your eyes on the road. And my wife will always tell me that. Uh, it's important. We guard what we're looking at. Because, of course, there's all kinds of evil influences that will influence us if we allow ourselves to look at them, to watch them, to hear them on the internet, the TV, movies, video games today, social media. It's full of things that can influence our hearts if we allow it to, if we look at it, if we listen to it. We have to avoid that path. We have to guard our heart so we can make good choices. Fathers are to set that example and give that teaching and pass that down to their children. Look at verse 26. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy paths be established. Turn not from, to the right hand nor the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Again, speaking of avoiding the path of evil. Fathers have a responsibility to teach their children in the older generation in general to pass down what is right, what's wrong, and train our children in the way that they should go, starting with teaching them who God is, giving them the gospel, and then what does God say is right, what does God say is wrong from his word. So as we remember fathers today and appreciate our fathers, let's remember no father is perfect. David was not a perfect father, certainly. But David was a man after God's own heart. We remember him at that. And we do remember he had success in passing his legacy of wisdom down to his son, Solomon. And uh, whether we're fathers today here, or we have had fathers in the past, let's appreciate our fathers. Um, and fathers, and those who have an influence on fathers, whether it's wives, mothers, um, friends, sons and daughters, who have an influence on fathers or who have a, a role that we can play as a father figure or be an encouragement to fathers in your life, let's remember these three important admonitions for fathers. Let's remember that we need to seek wisdom. We need to prioritize wisdom. We need to get wisdom, David taught Solomon. And so us, we as fathers need to teach our children and we should appreciate the wisdom that our fathers have passed down to us. Even if our fathers are in heaven today, we can remember what they taught us and seek to pass that down to the next generation. Let's honor our fathers in that way. Seek wisdom, get wisdom. And second, avoid the path of the wicked. Avoid the path of the wicked. There's a path of the wicked, there's a path of darkness, there's a path of light. Follow the path of light, the good choices that please God and that do not bring that spiritual, mental, physical harm. And then third, remember to guard our hearts. Let's teach our children, fathers and those with the influence on the next generation, teach our children.
to guard our hearts. And let's remember in whatever way our fathers taught us to guard our hearts, let's remember that today and guard our hearts. We, let us be good fathers. Let us support the role that fathers play in whatever way that we can in passing down to the next generation a legacy of wisdom. Let's bow our hearts for prayer.